0: This is a special edition of Outlook, inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind.
1: Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie.
2: Outlook.
0: Radio Western,
1: the Canadian Federation of the Blind's first ever all-virtual 2021 Choices and Goals Convention, Part Two.
2: I, don't, I wouldn't have been able to go to convention this weekend, so this is this is a fabulous alternative and <laughs> yeah.
1: wonderful material being shared. So.
0: returning with our Outlook special on the recent CFB Choices and Goals Convention, we left off last time with. Daryl Jones on his Monopoly report, referring to the CNIB's Monopoly in Canada. He did such a researched presentation there, and we also heard from it. JJ and Christine of the podcast talk description to me. And then we took a very short lunch break, really short because the questions were so great in that morning, second morning of the of the convention, that we didn't really have much time for a break. But you know what? When it's virtual, it doesn't doesn't really matter because people can grab food and.
1: Yeah, with the time differences and stuff, people are eating whenever yeah, they could. And
0: good point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it was a great morning of panels and so much interaction in the question and answer sessions. That yeah, we just ran into lunch with Daryl there, but that was all right.
0: And then coming back from lunch break, the short break, I put on my headphones, and then it was really nice to hear Donna chiming mm-hmm. in there.
1: Yeah, Donna Hudon is a, a member of the CFB for many years now, and she, since our last in-person convention, had some health issues, a lot of struggles there, and you know, getting well again, and she's. Doing well, but she, I guess, is just recovering from something recently and wasn't wouldn't have been able to make it if we were in person. So she got to listen over the phone the whole weekend, and another she appreciated that.
0: Another bonus of having these events virtual now, and especially once things do start opening up again, having a, more of a hybrid, so that people that are going through some issues or and can't necessarily make things in person, they're still able to attend and be included. And that's just it meant it meant so much that she was there, and I, I thought that was that was really. Really awesome.
1: yeah, I think I mean going forward in, in in years to come when we have conventions that are again in person, we're going to try and attach some sort of a virtual element to it for people. So hopefully we can make that happen. So next in our sessions to start the afternoon, we featured Maggie Bray. Maggie Bray's been a CFB member for a while, and she started a support group. It's called Colonels of Hope, and it's taken from the Colonels Books, which is some literature that comes out of the National Federation of the Blind just some philosophy lessons on how to, how to go about life. So she always has an interesting discussion there, and it's a great place for people just to talk about some of the day-to-day you know, stuff that goes along with being blind, good and bad.
0: And if you ever have any questions about kernels, you can always reach us at info at cfb.ca.
3: Despite the setbacks that the world has endured, it has been an incredible year for the Kernels of Hope Peer Support Group, run by the Canadian
1: Federation of the Blind. So I'm here today with Doris Balusic the editor of the Blind Canadian. Yes, an article that gets uh, that is submitted um, um, and written solely for the yeah. purpose of the magazine. Original, no. <laughs> original public. and um, you know if it gets chosen for publication, yes, then there's a $25 honorarium.
4: Okay. I wasn't ready for this but uh, but
3: I am here so I can Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way it goes sometimes. It. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you very much. And, and it's not that blind folks are against cycling. Uh, we're not. We're, we understand the importance of cycling to health and everything else in the community, uh, more affordable ways of getting around. But it shouldn't be at the expense of blind people's safety that I wish to be independent in the community. Great presentation as always. Kerry, Brian, you guys picked a great slate of uh, people to put on these presentations. Outlook. Western
1: we started in 20, 2018 in the fall and feels like ages ago but it's a great platform 949 chRW radio Western uh, if you're local in London Ontario you can listen on the dial it's so cool to hear us ourselves on the radio uh, that station is so great that university station is so great I'd love to be on your <laughs> podcast. We, awesome. that's I, I was thinking. That as you guys were talking about parents this morning, when you when you made your comment about your your mom and stuff there, Joanne, and working with you on this convention's been so great, and you've been so helpful. That yeah, we'd love to have more conversations about stuff with you on Outlook. Uh, it's important perspective.
3: Congratulate uh, Brian and Carrie. You guys put on a phenomenal production every week, and you are bringing the the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of the blind community in Canada and even abroad onto the air and I just wanted to commend you both for for doing it and if folks have not had a chance to listen to your shows um, you're really missing out and um, you got a little sneak peek with that little montage that they presented but you really do have to listen to each show it's even if you haven't listened to any of the shows I would say start at number one and go all the way through don't 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 skip any We are a
0: couple of blind, braille-loving siblings here. I just
1: got to say, I actually have a brailler in my room right now, one of the old-fashioned Perkins ones. I actually kind of just kicked it.
0: Ouch. Stub your toe. That
1: does hurt. Uh, (laughs)
0: And don't, don't, this is very obvious, but don't drop your braille display because it's happened to me a few times and it's Uh. not fun. Do
5: not drop your braille display and do not drop your Perkins because it won't break. It's pretty indestructible, but it will hurt. It'll break others.
1: It could break things. It could break a floor or something.
5: It's still heavy. That's right. In terms of the situation for blind children, there are, I think there are a lot of different reasons why, um, you know, not everyone has access to braille literacy which is a very very significant problem as we all know thank you natalie
0: thank you so much i think thank you for having me aside from listening to music and playing guitar braille is my favorite thing in life so i really appreciate (laughs) it mine too it's really interesting there to listen back and hear how relaxed and confident we became at that point it was afternoon i guess it might have been what, five? maybe by 5 p.m. our time or something? Who knew anymore at <laughs> what time it was? Um, but you can really hear it there with our exchange with Natalie from Braille Literacy Canada.
1: Yeah, that was uh, what I booked. It's important that we feature Braille, Braille literacy on our conventions. Not all blind people know Braille, of course. It's not the easiest skill to learn, but it's not impossible either, and it's very doable, and it's very important. So we always like to feature Braille, so... I'm really glad that Natalie Martinello, the president of BLC, could be at convention. So yeah, we had a good conversation. So by that point, you and I were a little more relaxed, and so we did some nice banter there back and forth with Natalie.
0: Yeah, I love that whole braille talk that you brought up about dropping on your toe, and then I, <laughs> I just made me made me relive my experience at, when we were back at the station, when I dropped the, my Braille display coming out of the studio once. It was always a rush oh. to get into the studio sometimes, because there'd be a show after us, and yeah, I just think I didn't have it in my bag and I dropped it. And it's just that feeling because it's... Braille is something we depend on so much now and especially with technology having these displays. So you really do have to be careful. And like she pointed out, dropping a Braille, you're not really going to break it. But I don't think I ever dropped a Braille on my toe.
1: Yeah, I didn't Um, mean to, but it was on the floor there by the wall and I kicked it. Oh, you you just just like
0: kicked your... Stubbed your toe on it. As
1: I was hosting, I stubbed my toe on a Braille.
0: But great booking, Carrie. I'm really glad that we got them in. I know... I think we were originally going to have them on the, the first day for more of the networking time. Uh, but things just got so booked up. And oh, it's, yeah. it's a lot of rearranging when you put these things together, which we definitely learned. Also, a lot of great compliments in there, Care?
1: Yeah, we got some feedback for how we were hosting, which is an extension of us at Outlook. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And then Roger Coory, he also has a show on Radio Western. And so right out of London, Ontario, he was at the convention. And I think I previously mentioned that he helped a lot with mentoring throughout the event. And also... What a what a testimonial there he left. Really I think that was the most praise and just something about the way he worded all of that was so perfect and I just want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Roger for that.
1: Listener right now listening to this, you are already obviously listening to our show but then he's telling you you really should so he's telling you to catch up on old episodes. Yeah.
0: Start from number 1 and go all the way through. Like thank what you. a what a rousing review there from Roger, you, Roger Khoury. And then again more more outlook feedback and connections going on there with Joanne again coming up again our Zoom coordinator throughout the whole event thanks again to her so much and also for her agreeing to come on the show in the future i think that would be such a great discussion so many important things we could talk about with her
1: yeah we got to know her a little better as we worked with her on this convention so
0: yeah we know Mary Ellen Gabius quite well now her mom as she is president for the Canadian Federation of the Blind but Her daughter now lives in the U.S., so we've never... Actually, we did meet her at the one time when we were at the NFB convention in Orlando. um, But that was pretty brief, so we don't really know her. But this definitely helped get to know her a little bit more. And we look forward to having her on the show in the future, for sure. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: You mentioned Justin already, Carrie, but I just wanted to say I'm so happy again that you made that connection. You were the one who found Justin. How did you do that again on Facebook? You...
1: On my Facebook news feed, I just follow a lot of podcasts and things, and there was a local workshop for a podcast that he does.
0: Yeah, to Peterborough, the radio station there, Trent Radio.
1: Trent Radio, yeah. So I just made a connection, and I showed up, and I, and we reached out, you and I both, and we've been interviewed on his show before, and we are going to have him on Outlook Yes, shortly.
0: coming up, I think, the end of June, early July. So stay tuned for that. We'll do some cross-promotion with us being on his show and him coming on ours. And that's why these conventions are so great. You network, you meet new people. I mean, we're not there to just make connections for our Outlook, but that's a big part of it. And that's also why, Kara, I'm so glad that you volunteered us to be the hosts because that just allowed us to have that forum. And we didn't talk about Outlook tons throughout the day because it was the convention. We didn't want to make the focus totally on us, but we brought it up a few times. And I think that just helps get the word out.
1: Well, that's who we were and we were the ones emceeing. So it was important that we... Gave that explanation a few times, but I am just glad we found Justin and we were able to introduce him to our convention because having first-time attendees each year is nice to see, and he really seemed to get a lot out of it, so that's great.
0: Yeah, he asked so many questions. You'll hear a few more coming up here. And then also Oriana Belusic in there discussing bike lanes and the issues that they create for blind people. Another former Outlook guest, I think we had him on late last year, so check out that episode for more details on the bike lanes
1: yeah if you're a cyclist especially but Mm -hmm. for everybody and before Oriano, we had doris belusik who is the editor of the blind canadian our magazine and i am assistant editor so in that little montage there i i interviewed her it was a it was a pre-record but we had a nice discussion about what the magazine's all about
0: I was also quite surprised that day to hear Doris come on. You you mentioned there that it was a pre-recorded discussion. I helped you record it a week before with Doris over Zoom, and you know, for some people, it's it can be nerve-wracking to come live on these types of events, especially virtual, we're not as used to. Yeah. But it was really cool that I wasn't expecting it, and then she came on live, and I just think that makes the, a different feel. It gives a nice element to the to the live event to have that after. And I guess people were asking questions, so she probably thought she should pipe in and. I thought that was, that was really neat.
1: Yeah. And once you're tuning in and listening from a distance and you start to say, hey, maybe I'd like to even participate a little and then Yeah. We all in. get
0: more confident as it goes along too, I think, yeah. just hearing everyone else talking and eventually like, I want to join in. I want to yeah. say something. I
1: want to be a part of that. So
0: I'm really happy she did that.
1: Yeah. And before that, to start things out, we had Maggie Bray and the Colonels of Hope support group.
0: Yeah. So she started off our afternoon on the second day of convention and the afternoon did get quite crazy at a point, just because everything had stuck to schedule. I mean, I, I know I mentioned that we were behind schedule quite a bit there, but we still kept everything in order up to a point. But then <laughs> there's a big presentation plan that you'll hear about coming up here in a minute that wasn't quite ready. And this, this stuff happened. So we had to juggle things around. And it was a little bit difficult at first. I was like, how the heck are we going to do this? But then we did pull it off. Although at one point, I was like, oh, shoot, Kara, we have Braille Literacy Canada coming <laughs> at this time. And they're, yeah. they're not quite it was a little bit easier, I found, to move things around when it was all CFB members or people that we were more connected with, but Braille Literacy Canada, we've we've connected with in the past, and that actually, we've also had them on Outlook already back in January, um, but they were one that was booked a third party more so, so we wanted to make sure that they had their set time. We didn't want to be like, oh, can you go an hour later or something, yeah. um, but I'm just happy that everyone was so flexible, and, and we, we worked it out, so.
1: Yeah, and we're used to being adaptable here at the CFB, so.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things I always like to talk about. It's just adapting is so important, especially as blind people, Um, for anyone, obviously. But blind people, were just used to it more, I think, because you're always, you have to be prepared for the unprepared. Like, I don't know how to word it, but mm-hmm. you just don't quite know what's always going to happen. Ben is here. So maybe we'll let Ben go first if he's ready after these two questions, unless he wants to wait. It's just then, I think Alex's presentation is at least 50 minutes, maybe, so... I don't know if Ben, yeah, you have I a preference, or if you want to mute and let us know. But I'm thinking that might make more sense for you to. go I first.
3: think it would. Um, yeah. I, I was actually interested in the other. I, I'm I'm cool to wait.
0: Okay. Well, we can do that too. I just I thought I'd give you the choice. Are they sometimes.
3: Are they ready? Think, well, yeah. If I don't know ready. if they'll we be are. ready, but yes, we we'll are. Be.
0: Okay. So, I think the plan now is to do a door prize before we get to this exciting video. As I was just saying in a back end chat here. I guarantee it'll be worth the wait, Alex. Yeah, I was gonna say a it's, great it's job. Like
1: we're bra- we're building the hype here. It's, it's yes. they, they got a message to share and we can't wait to hear it. So
0: Absolutely. So
1: okay. am I muted? Can you hear me? We can. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Hey. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: But okay. Brian Kajuski? Kadooski. I don't know how to say Brian. Wait, who's that? Who's Brian that? Kajuski? K, Kajuski?
1: K- Kajuski. That's that's my co host here.
0: That's oh, me, I think. True.
1: Oh, that that's is. your name, Brian Kaduski.
0: Wait, Kadyuski. this is really this is really awkward. Carrie, can you take over, please?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh my you God! You know what? Okay, I... and the password is radio station. Radio Outlook station. All right. Well, okay. So <laughs> who's here's who's, s- who's Brian Kaduski. Am I saying this right? Yes.
0: yes. that's my name, Nancy. Nancy,
1: that's Brian. Oh my God! Oh
2: my! Oh, are you kidding.
1: Our co- my co-host here.
2: Oh my God! You that was it? the most
1: authentic way of doing that, Brian. <laughs> there's oh No way God. that that was um, planned. She. Oh boy. Even oh. realize it's you. So. Right there, we go. It's a Sunu band, which I hadn't heard of before. But if you were around yesterday, you may have heard that. <laughs> that referring to the Sunu band, which is a prize generously donated to us by Steve Barkley from Canadian Assistive Technologies.
0: We mentioned that on the part one, if you heard it, that we had a surprise door prize coming up at some point in the convention and I had reached out to him originally. So I knew about this Sunu band. I've never actually used it, but I was not at all expecting to win that prize. Again, it was one of those things that we sort of wondered after, like, we're the hosts, should we be in the draw? But I don't know. I think that's sort of up to debate or maybe people have different opinions on that. Uh but I think from what I gather so far the Suna band is pretty much something you wear on your wrist and it vibrates when you're walking um if something's coming up beside you or to in front of you to warn you when you're blind about things that you might run into and then actually Carrie you finally reached out I felt really awkward doing it myself um but you reached out recently
1: Yeah so we're going to get that product shipped here to us and we are going to review it for Outlook and you're going to start using it potentially. And once the world opens up here and you get out more of your, more of your apartment. Um,
0: yeah, I, I- want to see. <laughs> I want to see how this thing actually works. And I think maybe some people might find it more beneficial to, than others. But I'm also willing to share it with some people. It sounds like Roger. I remember he commented the day before about it after the presentation that Steve Barkley gave that he was really interested in it. Um, so I'll probably lend it to Roger, which is actually very convenient because he's right here in London. So
1: Yeah, that's handy. What do you
0: know? The big moment has arrived. We have a special presentation by the Canadian Organization of the Blind and DeafBlind, Camp Bowen, the Pacific Training Center for the Blind, and the Bowen Islands Research and Development Society, BIRDS. Nice little acronym there.
3: Love that acronym. I can't believe I'm still awake, by the way. It's it's midnight over here, so it is. But I have been absolutely (laughs) riveted to this convention, so I have. And honestly, this training center has taken my breath away. You know, we, we know this is definitely a project that needs to go forward, and we know that that's an amount that it's going to take to do it. So we, uh, we're we working, we're, we're still working our way from point A to point B. Guys, again, man, every time I think oh, the next presentation can't get any better, guess what? It does. So, from braille reading to cane use, all skills that I consider myself and uh, the group of friends who are visually impaired or blind. Who are proficient in uh, those kind of skills? Uh, I'm from Ontario, and to listen to this presentation, of course, I can't see the screen that well. This has been one of the most humbling experiences of my life, and what you guys are doing is just absolutely incredible. So, big round of applause to you guys and the fact that you rely solely on blood, sweat, and tears and determination without any huge subsidies from any sort of governments. Man, it, one of the most humbling experiences of my life. Uh, this is something I will never forget. I just. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really does mean a lot to hear, you know, to hear what people think of uh what what we're doing. Because so so often it uh both yeah. on the camp side and on the training side, so often it can just feel discouraging. My name is Ben Colton. Um I'm here in my, you know, home office, um, just wearing jeans and a t-shirt today. But you could if you could see there'd be the um my rack of suits behind me. Uh it's on wheels, so I can wheel it away and uh you know, this pandemic has certainly been a challenge, Um, you know, making multiple appearances in court by Zoom and uh, experimenting with different camera angles, getting, you know, feedback from judges and everything and, uh, you know, working with different virtual backgrounds. So I've, I've got that all figured out now. It took me a long time to find a place my very first year. Um, I'd set up everything and I was ready to rent it right then and there. And um, the person who was showing us the place uh, just all of a sudden told me that it was it was no longer available, that it had been rented. And you know, I, I had called, you know, a few hours before, you know, confirming that we were on our way, we were coming to look at this place. It was available. I mean, the only explanation that seemed to make any sense to us is that she saw my white cane and didn't want to rent to me on that basis alone. And as I continued to look for housing, um, this became more and more apparent. And even some landlords told me you know, to my face in words that they, they couldn't rent to a blind person, that, there were, that there'd be problems.
1: Just there, you heard Ben Fulton. He's a lawyer in Toronto now, and he was actually our last interview over the phone, our last guest in the studio at Radio Western before the pandemic.
0: Yeah, he was talking about guide dog discrimination back then. And that's another serious topic, which we didn't really get into at this convention. I think we were going to have some people speak about guide dogs, but we just didn't have the time and weren't be able to get them in this year. Uh, but next time in the future, we will have him on again to talk more about his life as a lawyer.
1: Yeah, but this was this was uh, moving on from guide dog discrimination. This was just on to housing discrimination. True. and uh, More discrimination. So human rights. And in there, we also had a quick clip from our friend Barry. An international listener or attendee of our convention, as we said in the first part of this special, we had someone come in from Kenya into one of our questions sessions, and I, we were not expecting that.
0: Yeah, it's a little different with Barry. We know him. He's a good friend of ours, so we were expecting him to be there. Not that we really didn't appreciate him coming. That was awesome. He did. Uh, but the Kenya one was a total surprise, but just so cool to have people from different countries at our convention. That make, made me so happy.
1: Yeah, it's like, how do they find us in the first place? And how yeah. do they connect?
0: Really? That's what's so neat about virtual, I think, too. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Then you also had Alex and the crew out west. That was quite a big presentation. We didn't really include too much of it because a lot of it is still to be announced. They're working on so much out west. It just amazes me when when you hear everything that they're doing. So they presented this very long video, which isn't released yet, but I'm sure we'll find out more info in the future, talking about their organizations and this capital project that they're working on. And if you go to ptcb.ca, you can find out more about them.
1: We'll definitely have them on Outlook, Alex and Elizabeth. For sure. a lot more about what they're up to.
0: Yeah, and again, you heard from our pal Justin in there, Carrie's new connection, giving some, his feedback for Alex's presentation there was so flattering, his Hmm. life-changing, or I forget how he worded it, it was so well.
1: Yeah, but he's one of our young um, attendees there, and it was his first time at convention, so that it has that effect on you.
0: Yeah, it's always great to hear a a young, new convention attendee like that. And then after that, we were supposed to have an open chat, but Hmm. you know what? (laughs) Big surprise, we didn't have time, because I didn't want to cut off the questions during the afternoon. It just all flowed so well, and the interaction part is so important at these conventions, I think.
1: But then at a certain point, I was all talked out. I was done.
0: Yeah, kind of like right now, eh, (laughs) been (laughs) We planned to do this in one weekend last weekend, but it's our second weekend together. We don't normally spend... We love spending time together, but to a point. We're brother and sister, so it can be a But we're a
1: perfectionists, little... so we're we're trying to pick the right clips and make them sound good, and that takes time.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of just like the convention. We finished up the afternoon, and we were supposed to have an hour chat there, but we didn't. We had about a 20-minute break or something before the big banquet, where there's a bunch of speeches coming up, so you definitely want to stay tuned in here. Uh, but it was the same deal, where we kind of stopped, and we, we needed to eat again. <laughs> didn't really keep up on eating that day. Yeah. There we, we asked if Mary Ellen Gabius, the president of the CFB, could sort of take over there a little bit at the banquet while we nourished ourselves. And here we are, one month later, on a Sunday, finishing up, as you can tell, both petered out.
1: Yeah, kind of like that day.
0: Yeah, so we're going to let the banquet take over for the rest of this episode as well, because there are so many great speeches coming up from the president of the CFB and others, so you'll have to stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah, and I think think we've pretty much said all we have to say left here. Yeah, uh, it, was, well,
0: it was really a, quite a successful event, Kara. I don't think it could have went any better, really, for our first time doing a virtual event.
1: No, for first time, for sure.
0: I'm going to take things over now to the banquet, but you might just hear a little bit more from us from the past at the end. So
1: To wrap it up. So Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Yeah, thanks as always to listening to Outlook, and enjoy the banquet. In the last hour or so, as far as I've been involved with the CFB, maybe in the past there has been, but... There, We now have a new CFB member from Quebec. So I just wanted to mention that because I think that's very exciting. We're talking about expanding here. So seeing that membership payment, thanks a lot to him or her or them.
1: Great. Well, wow. I'm speechless as a host. That's not a great thing.
0: And so, yes, we're going to take a 15 minute break and we'll be back at... 5.20 5:20 Pacific with the Canadian Federation of the Blind Choices and Goals 2021 Virtual Convention Banquet. Yeah, we're we're waiting on our pizza order here, so it's it's so different virtually, right? We normally yeah. we'd be sitting what all together in the here? banquet hall and
4: what time oh,
0: is it? I don't even know. I put away the clock because at this point, you know what? I'm just going with the going with the flow. So yeah. Is Nancy available?
5: I am. I'm just putting my pizza in the oven. Can you hear me? (laughs) We can.
2: Okay, I'm all dressed up, and I forgot about my food and my booze, so I'm just mixing it right now, okay? I'll be right back.
5: I am very excited to introduce someone who has been a personal friend and a sister in the movement for, I don't even want to say how many years. It hasn't been quite 50, but it's been close, 40 at least. Um, Marcy Carpenter is a solid, strong Federation leader. So for a few words, I'd like to introduce Marcy Carpenter, President, National Federation of the Blind of Washington.
2: Thank you so much, Mary Ellen. Good evening, everyone. It's so great to be here. The spirit, the love, the commitment are so evident. And um, it's really great to be a part of that. I've kind of had to step in and out, but uh, but it's been great. As Mary Ellen said, I'm the president of the National Federation of the Blind of Washington. Just a little bit of information about me, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, my Zoom photo is a photo of me uh, just taken prior to an NFB National Convention banquet a couple of years ago. So I'm a, a cisgender caucasian woman with um, blonde and some white hair and uh, my photo has me standing against a background a blue background light blue background um, holding my cane and wearing a bright blue uh, banquet dress bright blue dress with with sparkles and a little vest i was born blind but i never thought of myself as blind i was kind of in this weird in-between world um, and although I wouldn't have articulated it this way as a child, I now understand that what I've thought of myself as was a defective sighted person. Um, after I left high school, I went through a residential blindness training center. And there I listened to some speeches by Jacobus Tenberg and Kenneth Turnigan. And I began to think all right, well, maybe this has something to offer me. Um, I'd check it out. And then that same year, I um, I saw a, a CBS news evening news broadcast um, of some information about the Federation's national convention that was happening that year and a protest that was happening um, regarding blind people being able to keep our canes on airplanes. And Walter Klinefelter, never forget, Walter Cronkite said. 1,000 blind people, canes tapping in unison. Uh,
5: Dr. Jacobus Tenbrook was born in Canada. He was a Canadian. Um, His great intellect was lost to us in Canada, at least directly because of the lack of opportunity here, the commitment we are making to one another is that we will not lose any more possibilities from any more potentially great blind Canadians because we cannot offer the opportunity that they deserve in this country. I know that what he will have to say tonight will make me think because what he says always does And so it is great joy and pleasure that I introduce Scott Labar.
4: Well, thank you uh, so much, Mary Owen. And uh, it's been a great day being with all of you. Uh, I have been uh, coming in and out as I can uh, throughout the day and I've really enjoyed the convention. Um, I have my own law practice, has been running that for a long time. Uh, I've built a successful business Um, I have a wonderful family. Uh, My wife, Anahit, who's uh, also blind, uh, is a teacher of blind kids. She just changed her career in the last year here. Um, She's got a good job. Uh, We've got two wonderful kids. I do have my video on for a moment to uh, accommodate those that uh, have some vision, uh, the fully visioned or the partially visioned or uh, whatever we want to call them this evening. I am sitting here uh, on my patio Uh, And maybe what you see behind me is our backyard, Uh, and um, I am wearing a purple uh, NFB t-shirt. Well, it's not exactly a t-shirt. It has a collar. It's sort of a golf shirt, I guess you would say. Uh, It has my name on it and uh, the Federation logo and all that good stuff. Uh, I am a white cisgender male, almost 53 years old. I'll turn 53 right before the National Convention. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, his, uh, and um, I have literally uh, been involved in the National Federation of the Blind uh, all of my adult life. Honestly, I didn't want to be involved with any blind organization. I thought blind people were weird. I mean, I know I was blind and everything, but I was, uh, as uh, Carrie and uh, Brian were saying, I was in an integrated school, mainstreamed, as we said, here in the U.S. I went blind in 1978, and I wasn't originally going to talk about this, but heck, we're just among friends here, right? We're sitting out here on my patio. It's a beautiful evening, by the way, in Denver, Colorado, or more accurately, Centennial. So welcome to the Labar patio. Uh, and anyway, so about this guy who was on the radio uh... it was really interesting to me because he was a traffic reporter when you're thinking traffic reporter that's sort of an unusual job for a blind person but that was a very special job created for one person and he was lucky enough and talented enough to do it and had a nice on-air personality what else can i do every other blind person i know is poor dirt poor Uh, and some of these dirt poor blind people that i knew had master's degrees. So I thought, all right, I'm going off to college. I'm a good student. I've worked my rear end off. But what is really out there for me? What will really be my life? Am I destined to be one of these educated blind people trapped in their apartment living on government benefits without hope? so i didn't want to really be with blind people (laughs) well that all changed uh... in early july Well, actually late june early july nineteen eighty six that's the first time that convention was the first time i met blind lawyers first time i'd met blind academics first time i'd met blind fill in the blank hats off on a a great convention Uh, i enjoyed all the panels from the diversity panel to uh, the parents panel, to uh, talking about braille literacy, literacy in Canada, and on and on and on. It was just great. And hats off to you, Brian and Carrie, for your podcast. Uh, I'm going to look it up and uh, listen in. But uh, what I realized, though, today, uh, I think, with respect to work in the blindness field, um, Canada is has been following a much different path in in many respects and I really became educated about uh, the relationship between you and uh, the CNIB for example. What I realized that we take for granted uh, in the Federation and here in the United States is our choice, uh, our just wealth of choices. And the reason we have the wealth of choices that we do is because of the National Federation of the Blind and the fact that the consumers um, have been driving the conversation uh, in our country now for 80, almost 81 years. And you know, CNIB does a lot of good things. There are a lot of good services. There are things that are useful. But if Ultimately, it's not the blind themselves controlling the services for the blind. There can be problems, uh, a lot of problems. I offer those thoughts to you for what they may be worth as they apply to what's going on in Canada. Um, but I know you're going to get there. And because of your advocacy, the whole system is going to get better, whatever element of the system it is. And that's good thing. So I'm going to tell you two stories. Uh, and because they've been very powerful for me, these stories involve people who are very close to me, family members. I'm not going to throw the specific family members under the bus, but, um, a few years ago, just three years ago, I, as I told you, I'm going to be turning 53, uh, in July, July 2nd, to be precise. And three years ago, of course, I was turning, uh, 50. Now, another personal thing about me, my favorite band of all time uh, is U2. Um, I love music. i got lots of favorites. But for many reasons, I really like U2. I really do like U2. But anyway, um, (laughs) so on my 50th, um, U2 was on tour here in the U.S., and uh, they weren't coming to Denver, which was weird because normally they always come to Denver. Uh, but I, I, you know, my wife encouraged me to do something I wouldn't normally do on my 50th. Um, so, uh, U2 was playing at Madison Square Garden, uh, right on, well, the day before my birthday, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, um, I, I decided to go and my wife encouraged me. She didn't want to go with, cause she doesn't like U2. I mean, she likes you, but not U2. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, so she encouraged me to take a friend. So I called a buddy of mine in the American Bar Association. That's the uh, largest organization of lawyers here in the U.S., and I'm very active in the ABA. And a buddy of mine named Alan Olson from Des Moines, Iowa, uh, known him since we were young lawyers, and for me, that's a long time ago. Uh, and I asked him if he'd go with me to New York. And uh, he said, Yeah, sure. So after I did this, I was telling this family member who knows everything about me, uh, knows that I'm a successful lawyer, knows that I have a great family, knows that on and on and on, knows my story. Uh, and my family member asked me, well, is this Alan, is he, um, is he a normal lawyer? Uh, And I I said to this person, what do you mean normal? I mean, he's kind of an odd dude, to tell you the truth. He's, you know, no, but I mean, can he see? So I guess I'm not a normal lawyer Uh, by virtue of being blind. This really hurt me because, as I say, this person knows me. Knows what I've been able to do with my life. I, because largely of the National Federation of the Blind, I've been able to live the life I want. But I guess i not a normal lawyer. So this, as I say, the, I, I'm still unpacking the emotional um, weight of all of this and figuring out the full implications. So not to be outdone uh, on, the con- on a conversation with another very close person who knows me. Uh, And um, this person was telling me that uh, they had a friend um, who had just committed suicide because um, they had terminal cancer and a lot of pain uh, was, you know, They wanted to do, in effect, their own medical mercy, you know, mercy, medical killing kind of thing. Um, And this person said to me, I suppose you see a lot of that in in your community, right? A lot of people killing themselves? Because when I said, well, why? Well, you know, because, well, you know, you're blind. So, again, (laughs) just blown away by that. uh, Because... Is blindness the same as having terminal painful cancer I ask you and again this person should have known better I I I, you know I I don't wake up every morning thinking that oh my god I'm blind I better get better get whatever implement I need to off myself today I, I wake up every morning, probably like many people in the world, kind of grumbling, wondering how fast I can get that first cup of coffee. I don't think about how terrible my life is. Yet, this close person in my life thought that our community would have a much higher rate of suicides because of our blindness. Now, does that happen? Sometimes do people decide uh, to end their lives because they've gone blind? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's really sad because it doesn't have to be that way. And we know that in the National Federation of the Blind and in the Canadian Federation of the Blind. And so I share these stories because they remind me of why we are here. I would like to introduce
0: the president of the Canadian Federation of the Blind, Mary-Ellen Gabius.
5: I am in Kelowna, British Columbia. Kelowna is a word that means bear in the language of the Okanagan people. And this is the, the unceded territory of the Okanagan people and a beautiful place it is. Sixty-five years ago, a band named Earl Nightingale published what became the beginning of the spoken word recording business as well as the business motivation industry. He published a record called The Strangest Secret. And much of what he has to say remains valid today, and I recommend you listen to it, although I warn you that some of the language will be a bit off-putting because it's not as up-to-date as we expect now. Nightingale's basic point was that we should remember that we become what we think about where we focus our attention, our actions follow. He also said that if we could believe it and could imagine it, we could make it come true. All of those tips about making choices and setting goals that are so popular and so well publicized for sighted people apply equally well to blind people. But as blind people... There is another layer of understanding that helps in the process of making choices and setting goals. And it's a level of understanding we need to keep in mind if we are going to live the lives we choose to live. You cannot make a choice or set a goal that is beyond your capacity to imagine. Our goal as blind people is to help one another imagine bigger, think more broadly, and stretch ourselves and one another in ways that build and affirm. When I was 17 years old, I had dreams. I wanted to be a university graduate. I could imagine myself walking across that stage, accompanied of course, to pick up my diploma. I could imagine myself leaving university and going out and finding employment. But there were things I couldn't imagine. Not because I doubted my ability to do them, but because they just never occurred to me. Things like saying to a friend, Yeah, let's go to the mall. I'll meet you there. Or, I'm cooking Thanksgiving turkey this week. Or, You should have seen what my kid got into last Tuesday. All of those things that are so normal and so regular for most people were simply beyond my understanding of what was possible for me. So I did not plan for them. I didn't choose them. I didn't set goals for them. 50 years ago this June, I attended my first meeting of the National Federation of the Blind in the United States. I went to a local chapter meeting and it changed my world. When I got there, I had thought of myself as a pretty with it blind person. I was a university student. I got a 4.0, which is a perfect A grade point my first semester. Joined the meeting. I thought I was Miss Blind Possibility. I went to the first Federation meeting, and there was a discussion about free bus service. Do we want it or don't we? And a lot of blind people said, well, well, blind people don't often have jobs. We should get free bus service. They have it in other places. Then there was another set of voices speaking up saying, well, wait a minute why don't we put our energy, instead of putting it into trying to get free bus service, why don't we put it into trying to help people find jobs? Isn't that really what we want for our future? If we have jobs, we can earn a lot more than we'll ever get with free bus service. The conversation went back and forth, and the ultimate decision was that Blind people should look higher and think broader and have bigger dreams. Not that we objected to people taking advantage of of things that they needed that were available, but that our goals should be broader and higher. At that meeting, there was a couple, a blind couple, who casually talked about picking up their four-year-old from preschool. That shocked me. At that meeting, there was a blind woman who was exchanging recipes with someone else. That shocked me. It didn't take long for me to understand that I had been setting my goals too low, that I had not been imagining a life full of endless possibilities, that my dreams were too little, my goals were too narrow, and my choices had been limited by myself. There are times when discovering that you really are thinking of yourself like a penny asking for change is a dispiriting experience. But because of the joy and the willingness to share and the expanding horizons at that federation meeting, I left feeling humbled about my foolish arrogance, but excited to know that I didn't know what the choices could be, what the possibilities were. As I became more and more involved in the federation, and certainly the experience from this convention tonight, was the realization that As Federationists, we have both the obligation and the opportunity to widen one another's horizons, to help one another dream of bigger goals, make better choices, that finding out that another blind person can do something well that we thought was impossible is not a criticism of our skill level, it's an invitation to a broader life. That our goal is not to judge one another's lacks, but to improve one another's likes, to make one another's tomorrows bigger than our today's. That each of us as blind people has something to contribute, something that is unique to ourselves, we are people with a lot of intersectionalities that for each of us when it comes right down to it we can be an intersectionality of one because each of us has such unique gifts to offer and so much joy to share as we go on with our year and find ways to give to one another to cheer one another to encourage one another to ask for help when we need it from one another. To recognize that our limits exist, but they're not because of blindness. They're because of our personal likes and dislikes. I will never have the precise legal interest and, and tolerance for details that Ben Fulton described today when he talked about changing the laws, or Scott Labar demonstrates when he goes through the process of evaluating contracts. But I have my own gifts to offer, so I do not have Brian's radio voice. But each of us can build one another in small and large ways Whether we are people who will ultimately be like fireworks rockets that light up the sky or whether our personal gift is being the kindling for someone else's sparks, let's get together, build the CFB, build one another and create a tomorrow that will help us win the marathon that we all seek to bring about. Thank you. I want to make sure that our co-hosts who, um, as far as I'm concerned, have this job for as long as they want it. You made the convention fun, and you worked with goodwill and good humor through some challenging Zoom uh, events. And so thank you, Brian and Carrie, for what you have done. You've, You've made the convention just a delight. Um, do you have anything else to say?
1: Yes, yeah, So I just like to talk about how quickly that uh, I, I wanted to talk, do a diversity panel on this one because I have other intersectionalities as, as Victoria this morning said, I am a woman. Uh, so there's your own sort of issues there. Um, I also have invisible disabilities and so managing invisible conditions with visible disability, like blindness is tricky. Um, but then Scott said something in his speech tonight about, you know, having chronic or like terminal painful cancer. And, um, It just made me think I'm, you know, I'm lucky not to have anything like that, but I am also seeming to be stuck with a lifetime of chronic pain. And that makes something like hosting a a thing like this over a weekend hard. It's made much easier being at home. But when Scott sort of made those comments about what's considered impossible to live with, what's, you know, I would take blindness over my chronic pain every, any day. And it, it, you know, what makes life worth living? And it's, it's often just the people in your life. So, All of you, thank you very much for your understanding this weekend. Scott, thank you for your speech. Um, Appreciate it. You know, when you're trying to make some jokes and there's not, you know, we don't all have an audience so you can hear them (laughs) chuckle. It's hard, but I I chuckled several times. And over the weekend, there were serious things, but you all made me chuckle and smile and you warmed my heart. And yeah, you, oh, Scott, you had a great voice for a speech like that. You're like a radio guy too. Absolutely.
0: Just like like Brian. I also just want to say something about my sister upstairs is, she, she speaks of her chronic pain. And, you know, I've been, obviously, you know, I'm three years younger than her. I'm 34. And she has had a tough, a tough go. And like we say, oftentimes people who don't know much about blindness, they think this must be such a terrible thing to go through. But in most many cases, it's not the blindness, it's these other things. And, you know, I've had an accident in my past, I've where I fell and hit my head and was diagnosed with epilepsy a few years ago. Luckily, with medication, that got things under control. But those experiences were w- much worse than anything else I'd ever experienced. Blindness to me, for me, my, and everyone has a different experience, of course. I was born blind um, and always had the same amount of vision. It has never changed, um, whereas Carrie lost some sight throughout her years. And that is definitely a different thing. Although we can relate in so many ways, it's still kind of hard to t- fully relate on certain things because of that. And Carrie mentions her chronic pain 15 years ago or so in, in high school, she had headaches s- so bad that, you know, she just, she couldn't function. She was, I would, I was living with her for a year in between my stints living in Toronto. And she, there were days and days where she would just not be able to get out of bed, couldn't function, couldn't do anything. And I just felt helpless. I wondered what I could do. And she has come so far in the last 10 years. She is the biggest joy to be around and her persistence and everything she's been through and the fact that she's still doing so much. She's an amazing writer. I don't even, I don't even have the words to express how much she means to me and how inspiring she is and she's my true hero in life and, and uh, I couldn't live without her.
1: Come on. <laughs> Is all the same, Brian. As It's honouring to co-host these events with you, and I feel the exact same. I almost lost you several times, and I just think I'm the luckiest person because most most blind people do not have a sibling who's also blind. And, you know, as many struggles as I've seen you go through, um, it has been less about your blindness. Yeah, you you don't let that really stop you. And so it's the same thing, and I'm so lucky that I have you, and so that makes, makes a, a job like co-hosting so much more of a pleasure. I, I'm out of things to say at this point. And uh, after some sleep, maybe I'll have some better poignant thoughts. Because as a writer, I, I do like to be able to think my words through carefully. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, Brian. And I will, you know, I've teared up several times. So thank you, everybody. And I hope everybody has a great rest of the night.
0: To learn more about the Canadian Federation of the Blind, go to cfb.ca. Send us an email. Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.
5: Eric, you are unmuted.
3: Hello, Eric. Uh, Eric? uh I knew this would happen. I'm right in the middle of a bus station. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you wanna, uh, All I wanted uh, for now was just to make sure that we get in a plug for the
4: Assistive Technologies Canada uh, exhibit hall space
3: later on this afternoon.